Welcome back, everyone. This is the Red and Yellow Kingdom podcast. I'm your host, Scott, joined by Rich with your average everyday Chiefs talk. All of our episodes are available on most streaming platforms. Just search for the Red and Yellow Kingdom podcast. You can also check us out on our social media pages, such as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest episodes and up-to-date Chiefs news. So this is week five of the NFL season. Um, obviously, uh, you know, Marty made it well known that when we play the Raiders, he liked to call it Raiders week because he hated the Raiders. So obviously it's leading up into our Monday night football matchup with the Raiders um, tomorrow night. Um, obviously there was uh, some games um, going on today and also college football yesterday, which, you know, you know, me and you, I had to mention this first of all, obviously my Tar Heels beat your Miami Hurricanes just yesterday. It was only by like, what, I think, I forget the final score. It was only like three or seven points. But um, regardless, it was an actual competitive game for the most part. It was a good offensive game. So um, it was still a great game overall. But what, what were your thoughts on that uh, Tar Heels uh, Hurricanes game? Yeah, I mean, when you look at the stat line, you would think the, the Canes won. I mean, the quarterback was great, which was his first really good game all year. Um, you know, with the new coordinator, he completely changed the, the offense and went to a more run scheme. Um, you know, whereas in last year, it was all about airing the ball out. I mean, he tore it up, right? He, um, yeah, he threw a pick there at the end of the game, but it was tipped at the line, and, you know, it's like the last play of the game. So, you know, those are – those aren't like just interceptions, you know. They're a little bit different. Right. But, um, I mean, you would have – like I said, looking at the numbers, you would have think the Canes won, but um, no. Um, I think, you know, being a Canes fan, it's a, it's a lot of kind of motions of going through – you know, a new coaching staff, right, right, where some players are stepping up, some players are are either getting uh, maybe their last few reps and stuff like that, but a lot of just very basic and elementary mistakes from the Canes. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the quarterback for North Carolina will probably be a top 10 quarterback pick or a top 10 NFL draft pick here in maybe the next three to four years. He's a freshman, right. um, and that kid is good. So, it was and to your point, it was a fun game to watch. Yeah, 27-24, and it, uh, total yards put up by both teams together, over 1,000 yards. Crazy. Um, yeah, I mean, just... and Tyler, uh, Tyler Van Dyke, right, who um, I, hope, I hope he comes back one more year, but I think he'll go to the NFL and maybe he'll be a first-round draft pick. He had like 475 yards passing alone. 496. He almost there had you go. 500, yep. yeah. Mm -hmm. it, was his, it was his career high. Yeah, so it was, uh, um, like I said, even I didn't get to watch most of it. Uh, we got the um, – you know, that convention thing they had down at um, Herrera's Casino uh, this weekend. But, um, you know, kind of watched a little bit when I got home anyways um, for it. But, yeah, like I said, from the stat line, you thought oh, this would be a competitive, competitive game. And probably, like I said, um, Hurricanes probably, you know, probably should have pulled it off with the uh, stats from you had seen. But, um, yeah, in the end, it was, it was competitive. That's kind of what you want to see in these games. So that's good. Um, so on to actually some of the NFL games for today. Um, Obviously, there was some some surprises, but not a whole lot. I guess the one first one was probably this morning, the one that was in London, where uh, obviously the Giants ended up beating the Packers, which kind of I think surprised a little surprised a little bit of everybody on that because just the Giants, like you know, with Daniel Jones, they aren't the greatest um, you know offensive team, but uh, and they they came through in the end and came back. I think they were down by fourteen, I believe, at one point. Um, yeah, came, came it, back yeah like fourteen, a, right? Because they went like yeah. a seventeen zero run in the second half or something. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like then, I didn't get to watch it, but I was listening to it as I was busy 
And um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I like Brian Dable. And, you know, it's always kind of cool. It's always kind of cool or good whenever you see those uh, not so very good teams, you know, really playing above their talent level with the new coach. Right. And then um, obviously the uh, Buffalo and Steelers game was not even close. I mean, Gabe Davis had a, hit one of his days. And of course, Josh Allen, I think over uh, four touchdowns, I believe, on the day. So he in the was, first half, too. Yeah. In the first half was just, it was absolutely nuts. So, um, Obviously, we'll have our Bills-Chiefs thing, you know, coming up here in the next week, which is going to be an interesting game, obviously, just like it was last year um, in that divisional round playoff game. But uh, it's it's looking like it's going to be uh, a must-see game of the year uh, once again um, uh, coming up. So that's going to be good. Uh, it looks like, obviously, the Chargers sneaked out a win um, today against the Browns. That was kind of a back-and-forth game at one point. Um, the Lions, who had the most points, we've, we've talked about this, Recently, the most points in the league scored nothing today against the Patriots. They shut them down 29 to nothing. Um, uh, Dolphins went through uh, now their third quarterback of the season. I believe it was the seventh-round pick. I can't remember his name. I want to say like Skylar Thompson that went to K-State um, uh, after uh, Teddy Bridgewater got knocked out of the game. And once again, Bridgewater is just you know injury-prone, right? Like ever since he's had that injury in Minnesota, yeah. it's just he hasn't been the same. That explains why Jalen Waddle only got me like a point, almost like two points in fantasy. Yeah, and I, and I think Tyreek had like seven catches for like 47 yards, something like that. So he didn't really have, um, obviously, a great of a day as well. So the Jets put up 40 points on him too. So that was uh, obviously interesting. Uh, some of the yeah, other afternoon games, obviously, um, Carolina, which, uh, you know, obviously in my second team, is not great this year, especially on offense. Their defense is not that bad. It's just their defense is always out in the field. So always they got they got like smacked by the Niners, thirty-seven fifteen. It wasn't even close. Which, yeah. like I said, that's that that might be a hint towards one of the things we'll talk about in our final thoughts about coaching, um, uh, as far as on the Panthers side. And um, it looks like Dallas, and obviously Dallas beat the Rams. Which one of the other things about that is just. I don't. I can't remember a team like the Rams, who obviously won the Super Bowl last year, post Super Bowl win has just been bad. Um, it's almost like uh, I think like my friend mentioned it perfectly. It was like Stafford was in L.A. He had like one wish to have a good season, won a Super Bowl, and after that wish was over, it's like back to the same old Stafford or something yeah. ridiculous like that. But yeah, they have been playing bad. Obviously, the Cowboys have been playing. Um, you know, really good now. Cooper Rush is five and zero in his career. Um, they're four and one in the year. So, speaking of uh, Dallas and also the NFC East, which with the Eagles won today, and they're now five and zero, and the Giants won obviously this morning four and one. They are typically the best division in football right now, which is weird because everyone coming the season is like AFC West, AFC West, AFC West, and NFC East has been known to be in the laughing stock um, of these divisions in the NFL for the last what, three, four years, something like that, now looks like being the best um, division, at least record-wise, anyways. But what are your thoughts on that, on how the NFC East, is, the competition is kind of heating up? So I was just – it's funny you asked that question because I was just looking at it because I was watching, like, the highlights of the Eagles. I think it was the Eagles game. Maybe it was a Cowboys game. And I think they they have a little bit of favorable matchups. Um, you know, they're not playing. I know the AFC West has not panned out to be what it was supposed to be, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But when you look at 
some of the teams that they played, I'm like, man, they're bad. You know, they've they played some bad teams. Um, to your point, right, the Rams um, look really, really bad against the Cowboys. The Cowboys are playing really good defense. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Eagles are are okay. Um, I mean, they just lost – or, sorry, they beat the Cardinals um, because Matt Amendola, right, former Chiefs kicker, missed a field goal to tie it at regulation. Um, so, yeah, I, I think the NFC East is more like the NFC fake. I don't think they're as good as their record stands and come the end of the year. I think it'll still be the Eagles probably winning it. Maybe the Cowboys will be, I don't know. So you're thinking they're five, right, 11 and six or something. I was going to say, so you're thinking they're, they're pretenders right now is what you're saying. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> a, I think the division looks really good on paper, but they've also, I'd, I'd be interested to see what their strength of schedules are. Cause they played some terrible teams and I get the, the, Commanders are a terrible team too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Terrible. But I mean, the I like the Giants. Like I like the Giants because of Dayball and some of the guys that they have. It's always a feel good story. Um, I mean, they beat the Packers today, who were supposed to be good. I don't think they're as good as people think they're going to be. It's kind of like the the Broncos and what everyone thought they were going to be with Russell Wilson. So I think yeah, I think it's it'll write itself out here within the next five weeks. And well, and one other thing, so one of the game uh, was the Tampa Bay uh, Falcons game, and Tampa Bay and sneaked up, uh, sneaked out another win, like it seems like they do. And I don't know if you've seen it. The biggest controversy of today was uh, Tom Brady got sacked, and they called a uh, personal foul on the sack. And all, and you'll you'll have to see the play when you see it because I don't even saw it. But um, it was just a basic sack, and he kind of just like you know he grabbed him, and then he kind of like you know rolled. Rolled him to the ground basically, but it was nothing like it was a personal foul, you know, roughing the passer call on it, and it was it was absurd. Like it was not it was not worthy of a foul. But it's like once again, like you know, Tom Brady he <laughs> works his magic with the refs and they call it, and that ends up keeping the drive alive, and they end up sneaking out twenty one fifteen over well, the Falcons. That reminds me of what happened to Josh Allen last week. Great, they were um, their their drive had stalled, and I think it was the game winning one. Um, mm-hmm. I think they were playing the Ravens. <laughs> Excuse me. And Josh Allen kind of like dives into a tackle, and they call like a rough in the passer. And it was like, what? That that was nowhere near a penalty. But right, I mean, it's, that, they they protect the quarterbacks, right? So like, I mean, like, so like, I mean, just like, so kind of like basic question here, and or thoughts to you. I mean, obviously, the NFL tried the whole like pass interference thing, right? Where like you can review it. Um, and they got rid of it because hardly any of them were ever overchanged. Um, you know, it seems a lot of these personal foul roughing the passer ones, I wouldn't say a lot of them, but there's some of them that I feel like they could challenge if they were able to. I mean, is that something like maybe in the future they look into seeing if that's challengeable or it's just it's just part of the game is how the refs are calling it? Yeah, like I think what they should do is – so let's say – the coaches should get like maybe two or three different challenges, right? Maybe, or maybe it's just two. Maybe one is um, kind of like in the current setup, right? With the current rules. And then there mm-hmm. should be one challenge, anything. It can be a challenge, personal foul call. Like go back and look at it. Was that really a foul? Um, now, obviously that undermines the ref in a way, but it happens in soccer, right? In soccer, right. the refs call a goal. Actually, it's not. Or it was offsides. Actually, it's not. So why can't, you know, we have that same concept in football because the, the difference between football and soccer is 
the Falcons are probably going to get a lot more plays, right? Because, I mean, that's just a constant moving game, whereas in football, that might literally be it. So I think it would add a wrinkle. I think it would make the reps more accountable with some of these terrible calls um, that they constantly do. Um, And it just seems the NFL, like last year, right, we had a ton of them. Um, It seems like it's a way to add drama, but it sucks, man. Like as an athlete, and I get refs mess up just like players drop drop a pass, fumble ball, make inaccurate passes. But there is technology to fix it. You know, you can't fix a dropped pass. I was just you about can't, to say that. You know, yeah. you can't go back and be like, oh, let me rewind the play. Okay, he act, you you go back and do it like this so you can catch it. You know, we shouldn't have referee mistakes, especially in a game like football where there is a huge delay between the next play, right? In soccer, mm-hmm. it's a little bit harder because there's constant action. How far do you go back? So on and so forth. In football, there's, you know, you, you play for seven to ten seconds and then you rest for technically 45. So it's like there is a way, and there's plenty of technology. The NFL has a ton of money, but um, yeah, I guess who wants to be undermined and reviewed every single time they call something, right? Right. Yeah. It's just it's just one of those things where it's like you know I, I think at the end of the day, people are always going to say like, well, everything should be challenged and all that. And like, now I get that gets a little bit too crazy, but um, there's just got to be some way they can fix some of this stuff because uh, the refs only seem to get terrible as the years go on, on different calls that affect the game at the end of the game. Um, but, you know, like you said, it's it's never going to be 100% perfect because just like a wide receiver catching a ball, he's never going to catch the ball 100% of the times either. So um, it, it, we're kind of stuck where we are where we are with it uh, for the most part. All right, so heading into um, our Week 5 preview with the Las Vegas Raiders for tomorrow night on Monday Night Football. Uh, send it over to you, Rich, for inside the numbers between the teams. All right, so um, team records, right? Chiefs obviously come in at three and one, while the Las Vegas Raiders come in at one and three. So complete opposite. Um, Derek Carr obviously leads the way for them with uh, 94 completions out of 154 attempts, a little bit over a thousand yards and six touchdowns. Um, what is his interception count? It's not so easily available sometimes. Now, I wish they would just throw interceptions on her so I didn't have to dig, but let me tell you his interceptions because I know he has a few. He has four interceptions on the year, so that's not good. Um, of course, Devontae Adams, right, is their leading uh, receiver, 26 receptions, 290 yards, three touchdowns, and Josh Jacobs leads the way for them on the ground. 70 rushes, 336 yards, and two touchdowns. <clears throat> Excuse me. Mahomes, of course, is the Chiefs leader with 97 out of 146. Um, a little bit over 1,100 yards, 11 touchdowns. I should know how many touch interceptions he has off the top of my head, but I don't. Oh, I was going to say two, and that's what it is. <laughs> yep. Um, and then Travis Kelsey, of course, leads the way for us with 26 receptions, 322 yards, three touchdowns. CEH leads the way with 41 rushes, 208 yards, and two touchdowns. So those are the uh, leading <clears throat> statisticians for each team from the offensive side of the ball. Um, just a little fun facts, right? Um, Chiefs have won the last four out of five matchups versus the Raiders. Um, and if we were to dig even further back, it's pretty, it's still pretty lopsided. Mm-hmm. So um, talking about overall team ratings, the, um, I'll go more, I'll go over all the Raiders numbers first, just to um, go through them pretty quickly, right? So point scored per game, they are at number 10 in the NFL points allowed. They're 23 passing yards per game. They're 14th 
and rushing yards are actually 14th as well. Defensively, they give up um, the 22nd most yards in the NFL. Um, actually, no, it, that's backwards. So they're ranked 22nd. Let's just I'll say it like that. They're ranked 22nd. So they're in the lower third of the NFL regarding pass defense. And then on the ground, they give up 103 yards on average per game, which is the 10th best. So for them, their um, rush defense is better than pass defense, right? They're very able to let people clip yards on them. So <clears throat> on the Chiefs' end, second best scoring offense at 32.3 points allowed. They are the 20th um, with 24 points per game. Passing yards per game on offense, they are seventh with 267. On the ground, they're 11th ranked rush offense with 117 defensively and we're fine with this right we've known this for years the chiefs are very much a give up as many yards as can be that doesn't you know yards don't mean anything if you don't score so they are the 27th worst pass defense um and as of this well i guess before these games started they are the first ranked rush defense in the nfl giving up only 65 yards per game so pretty um Good defensive rush uh, versus the rush teams that we'll see this week. So we'll see how that goes. All right. So moving on to the injury report for the game for tomorrow night, uh, starting out with the Chiefs. Uh, obviously, the news was yesterday came out that Harrison Budker will end up missing his fourth consecutive game with that left ankle, ankle injury. So he is out and Matthew Wright will be playing in his um, second game with the Chiefs replacing him. Uh, other than that, a uh, few questionable players. Uh, Trey Smith, uh, the starting right guard, has the pec injury. He's been limited in practice this week, so he's listed as questionable. Uh, Mike Dana, the defensive end with that calf injury, um, it had it actually did practice fully this week, but he's still listed as questionable. So look to see if he might make his way back um, into the lineup this week. And then also... Um, Juju Smith-Schuster with that quad hamstring injury uh, looked like practice fully most of the week, just limited on Friday or sorry, limited on Saturday, um, but still uh, listed as questionable. But most likely, will probably end up um, still playing uh, this week uh, for the Chiefs. On a separate note for the Chiefs, um, what's his name? OJ McDuffie. Uh, oh, sorry, OJ McDuffie. Trent McDuffie. Well, I went way back there with that one. Uh, Trent McDuffie, the cornerback who got injured week one against the Arizona Cardinals, uh, looks like he could make his return next week against the Bills. Um, so we'll keep eye, an eye on that injury, um, see if he comes up on the IR for next week. Uh, moving on to the Las Vegas Raiders injuries. One of the bigger players has missed the last few games, wide receiver Hunter Renfro. Um, actually had that concussion, and he fully practiced this week, so he will be back for the Raiders. Um, other guys, they looks like they had question to mark is um, Sam Webb when their cornerback's hamstring. Uh, he has limited in practice all this week, so he is listed as questionable. Uh, Darren Waller was actually listed on this too as well. Looks like he had a shoulder injury, but he fully practiced the last two practices on Friday and Saturday, so he should be uh, good to go along with uh, Denzel. Uh, Paraman as well, who had concussion. Um, looks like he'd fully practice on Friday and Saturday, so he is good to go. The only actual guy the Raiders are out this week is their inside linebacker, uh, J.N. Brown, uh, who has a hamstring injury, so he will be out for them. But other than that, those are the injuries uh, for both sides of the teams. 
So on to our keys to the game uh, for tomorrow night. What do you have, uh, Rich, for on the offensive side of the ball? All right, so for me, I think it's the recipe of success that we've had versus the Raiders forever, right, which is get the ball to Travis Kelsey. If I'm not mistaken, um, well, I know that his numbers against the Raiders are some of the best of any of the teams he plays. Um, but, yeah, so I think, you know, keep Travis Kelsey involved. I'm pretty sure he'll be the leading target getter, probably lead the team in yards as well, right? But expect a big day from him. Um, I think their rush defense numbers um, – might be due to the fact that uh, teams don't even need to run the ball. I'd have to look at their their carries per per yards given up. Um, but yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how Andy comes out. It's a Monday night game. Um, I think you'll see, of course, you know Andy in full force with his uh, arsenal of play calls. So I expect Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Um, I think. Isaiah Pacheco will also score this week. I think he'll score his second touchdown of the season. Um, and, yeah, I uh, I mean, of course, you got to be mindful of offensive line rate because they're going up against uh, pretty good pass rushers for the Raiders. So I think that'll be something to watch. But because the Chiefs will be up early soon, I think that um, it'll be more of a game control or clock control offense. So – not so much just spreading it out and, you know, it being five versus four on the – or five versus five uh, offensive line versus defensive lineman. So, in a few words, get the ball to Kelsey. Control the clock once you're up. And uh, be creative. Get the ball to your running backs in the passing game. I like it. Um, what I was going to say was um... – Obviously, because you had mentioned Pacheco, and hopefully he'll get his, you said, second touchdown in the season. Um, it's a good point bringing him up because I think him and also Sky Moore look for both of them to continue to get increased snaps um, in these games. So, um, obviously, they had seen both of those players have their career higher in snap count from last week um, against you know, that Tampa Bay game. So, continue to see them getting more snap count. So, um, I think that they're obviously going to – like you were saying, like I think as long as they get up early um, on the Raiders, uh, kind of just keep that pressure on and kind of just keep on, you know, keep on trying to score and get the ball down the field as much as possible. Uh, but like you said, keep feeding Kelsey. He normally has good games against the Raiders um, as well. So um, kind of right there with you, control the clock there towards the end of the game, and uh, that should be pretty much it. Uh, I don't see, you know, us having uh, much trouble against the Raiders. Now, I know we probably said that against the Colts, too, as well, and we kind of <laughs> did, but... Um, right, exactly. So, um, we shall see. I mean, obviously, it's it's still any team can do anything, so can't take any team lightly, but um, I think as long as we have that kind of mindset that how we played the Raiders the last, even just the last two seasons, um, you know, it normally comes our way as far as on the offensive side. So, um, I don't see I don't see a whole lot of issues, I said, going into on the game, how our offense, um, you know, develops and continues on the game. But we'll definitely see how the game progresses for sure. Uh, so what about on the defensive side, what you got? Um, I mean, stopping Devontae Adams is everything, right? I mean, that's where the offense runs through. I think sometimes they're a little too focused on him. Um, Chiefs have done, um, I guess, a good job versus – not I guess, but what I meant to say was when it's a big-time receiver, I guess – 
they have done a good job of limiting the play to them. I'm thinking of, you know, the times we played Diggs in the playoffs. Um, and Devontae Adams is the best wide receiver in the game, right? So I think as long as you don't let anyone else beat you, I think he'll get his yards. Um, but then again, Carter is very focused on him. And their offense has not been the greatest. So um, for me, it's just make Derek Carr very, very uncomfortable. We've done well with creating pressure off blitzes. So keep that up. Force him into errors. Um, obviously, that's just how you play the game. But if you just make life very uncomfortable for Derek Carr, Devontae Adams is going to get his 1v1s. He's going to win some. Um, you know, he's probably going to have, a you know, close to 100 yards receiving. But as long as he doesn't have any touchdowns, and we sack Derek Carr, you know, at minimum three times with at least two interceptions, I think it'll be um, a very lopsided score for the Chiefs win. Especially you got Jalen Watson most likely be uh, positioning up against uh, Devontae Adams. When they, like, they like putting Watson, obviously, on the one side of the field. So it'll be interesting that they see if they kind of keep Adams on the same side Watson is most of the game, too, as well, and see if you can kind of test him early. Uh, but I do, I do look forward to seeing that matchup and seeing how it is. But like you were saying, you know, at the end of the day, Adams was probably still get at least his targets that he was for his, you know, wide receiver one. Um, just have to see how we do as far as shutting him down. Obviously, um, you know, Josh Jacobs, um, we've done so well with the running game the first uh, four weeks of the season. Um, he had his first game over 100 yards last week against the Broncos, um, where he even had first game over 20 carries as well, and he had two touchdowns. So um, it kind of it kind of still starts there with the run and see how and continue um, being impressive on us stopping the run this year. So once that you know gets going and um, that's always a struggle for the Chiefs if they can, if the other opposing team gets a running game going, then it kind of just goes a little bit downhill. So hopefully we can at least try to stop that early as well and like you said, kind of force uh, Derek Carr to make you know some rough decisions, which. He, you know, so happily does against the Chiefs a lot and ends up throwing, you know, a pick, you know, a pick or two um, most of the games we play against him when we do can, you know, we do kind of get to him. So uh, definitely will be interesting to see, you know, how we, um, we can shut down Josh Jacobs and then also, you know, make sure that uh, Derek Carr doesn't have one of his great games or whatnot that he has coming out party, though. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I do look forward to, uh, you know, seeing us get a couple sacks, too, as well. Uh, hopefully, like I said, two or three. Uh, like you mentioned as well. So as far as the game prediction, um, you know, especially if you're looking at how the Chiefs played the Raiders the last few years and how many points they put up against them, we're talking about at least in the 40s uh, for most of these games. I went with uh, Chiefs 38-21 just because, um, man, I always like trying to, on some of these games, you know, see, like take the other team as far as when I know the Chiefs, you know, should be winning big that they'll end up scoring in the teens. But, like, they always play, you know, they always play like a kind of conservative defense toward the end of that second half. So that's why I put 21 for the Raiders. If not so, I would probably put more like 14 or 17. But I feel like it's going to be more like 38-21 uh, when the game is over. What about you, Rich? Man, every time I say it's a lopsided score, it's tight. So I'm going to go the complete opposite. <laughs> and I'm going to say, like, 27-24 um, Chiefs win. Um, not on anything close to your point. I think mm -hmm. the Raiders score late to make it 24. <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, I think the score will reflect a much closer game than what it actually is. Yeah, definitely agree with that. It just it happens that way. I mean, obviously, when we, we dip in, uh, predicting scores here for what 
a year and a half now on certain things. And like, it, it's always like, kind of seems like that. Like, I think with the Colts game, we were like that, right? And it was so like lopsided. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, and I'm, it's completely fabricated in our own minds, right? What we say, right? Zero impact. There's no yeah. team anything like that. Um, I know the Chiefs, they, they play really well on Monday night. They play really well in primetime games for the most part. So, oh, primetime you know, and at Arrowhead. They normally play, they normally uh, play really well at Arrowhead on primetime for the most part. Know, I can see the potential for a very lopsided score, but again, I'm just going to go conservative so I don't look like a fool. Right. <laughs> Even though we probably both still will <laughs> by the time the game's over with. Right. But yeah, I see what you're saying. Uh, so heading into um, kind of our final thoughts topic for this episode, uh, we kind of lured to it with the, with the Panthers game, but kind of want to get into, I know it's been five weeks, well, technically five weeks for most teams, except for the four four teams that haven't played or two of them that are playing, I think, here soon and then two tomorrow night. But um, as far as the NFL coaches, that who would be considered on the chop block as far as being, you know, cut loose like soon? Um, obviously, I think we're going to start with Carolina uh, with Matt Rule, but um, it just seems like it's been it's been time for a while. I mean, I'm I'm surprised that they they decided to not before the season started, but I guess they kind of wanted to give him another. Uh, run at it with a, a new quarterback in Baker, Mayf- uh, Baker Mayfield, uh, you know, kind of just see. And then obviously Christian McCaffrey coming back, seeing how they would do. But it just is not panning out. And I know you didn't see the game today, but it just feels like it's it's just awful watching their offense. And um, But, I mean, what do you think about, obviously, Matt Rule being probably one of those guys that will be in the being first? Being... Man, like, I'm always a pretty positive person. I, I try not to, like, bash anyone because I know how hard it is to be an NFL coach, blah, blah, blah. But, man, I just don't like that dude. Like, some of the things I've read about how he talks to the players, I can see why they play the way they play and why the team plays the way they play. I just think he's very big-headed for his resume. Um, I know he kind of grew up in the NFL and he had coaching jobs in the NFL before going over to to college and and doing really, really well. But, uh, yeah, I just don't like him. And and I don't get their owner being an investments guy. How can you not see that this is a bad investment? and just cut your ties. Now, the good thing um, is, right, and if I'm not mistaken, they got, I don't know if he's the GM or if he's like a co-GM, but I remember Dan Morgan, right, linebacker from the University of Miami that actually used to play for the uh, play for the Panthers. Panthers, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, he was a, I think he was a co-GM or a, or like the director of per player pro personnel, whatever the second GM is called in right. Buffalo, right? And so, um, I yeah, I think he's the GM, and I think the Baker Mayfield move made sense. It's low risk, potential high reward because, I mean, it's only a one more year deal, right? This is his last contract year that they traded him for or on. Correct. Mm-hmm. So you know, I think I think Donald is done also after this year from a contract perspective. So they get a clean slate. If they could ship McCaffrey off for something, um, and get like a three or something for him, you know, and maybe another pick for the next year. That'd be great because literally the only thing they have is um, oh my god, what is his name? The so they have J.C. Horn on defense. They have D.J. Moore, and then I can't remember. They have a good lineman that I like, but I can't uh, offensive lineman. But then defensively, they have a really good line, right? And Brian mm-hmm. Burns, uh, what's his name? Derek Brown, I think that's his name. Derek Brown, defensive tackle. Uh, yeah. And then you're also missing out uh, the other cornerback. I think I think I'm somebody. Oh, uh, the safety. I'm sorry, Jer- uh, Jeremy. Um, ah, what's his last name? 
Well, I don't know why I want to say Chubb, but it's not Chubb. It's uh, Jeremy Chin. Jeremy Chin yeah, is a good Chen. safety, too. So they yeah. have, like, solid young piece. Brian Burns is one of the best defensive ends in the league. Um, so they have a few good pieces here and there. It's just – it starts with the coach. And I think what they'll do is because Morgan came in last year, obviously in the offseason, um, kind of give him a full year to get set up. And then – and also last year was a really bad year to take the quarterback. That's why I got Kenny Pickett was the only one. Right. This next year, it's a whole different ballgame, right, with there could be potential four to five quarterbacks going in run one. So I think it makes sense from a – I guess at the end of the day when you think about it, I get what they're doing. Um, but what they could do is maybe maybe they'll cut them like week eight or something like that um, just to save the locker room. But, yeah, those guys, like you said, don't, they don't play with inner, any kind of energy for him. Like when you watch Brian Dable's Giants and how they how hard they play for him, it's a complete opposite. So, yeah, we're, I think we're both – you can obviously tell I'm very passionate about Matt Rule and well, I will say on as far as on the, I'll, well, I'll say as far as on the defensive side because I watched majority of the game and I, I could even I watched I watched a lot of red zone today but also did watch a little bit more so of the Panthers game too as well obviously, um, I will say the defense when you know they made some plays today, um, and they seem to have been making consistent plays throughout the season. It's just the offense is so bad. I mean, you just it's hard to watch this team when they're on offense. Um, you know, and, and obviously the defense gives up points because they're on the field all the time. So it's just, um, and like I said, their defense is actually pretty good, but it's just, um, yeah, it's just, it's something's got to change because it's, it's not, it's not working. Like you said, McCaffrey, um, you know, they paid him a ton of money. He's been hurt. Um, and it's, it's not working out. I mean, I, I see that they're going to, they're going to probably have to try to move him. Right. And then just, um, the quarterback situation has been a mess, um, obviously with, uh, Sam Darnold being hurt, and they brought in Cam last last year for a little bit. Um, you know, he got hurt again this year. They got Baker Mayfield, who's just it's he's average at best. Um, and then the offensive line is horrible. They've had offensive line issues for the last I don't know three years, maybe at least. Um, so they just it's just it's all bad for the offense, and, it, and it's just you know it's it's just about to make a change. It's at the end of the point, uh, in the day, it's just kind of that's really all they got to do is just kind of make a change. Um, as far as other coaches, what would be another one? I was going to mention Cliff Kingsbury for the Cardinals, but I don't know. That's kind of a stretch because they, I mean, they, they play, been playing great, but. And they just know. extended them, I think. This yeah. Right. So, I mean, but I mean, that, that's never stopped teams before, right? And I, I think they have a funny situation because Hopkins is injured. They look completely, they have no wide receivers, right? Since they let go of Christian Kirk, mm -hmm. just cut Andy Isabella. Hopkins is on wide receiver. AJ Green is like older than I am. Um, so they're beat up, and I think they'll be okay once kind of DeAndre Hopkins comes back and they'll look a little bit more competent, right? Right. Um, but no, my second is, um, I always want to say Arthur Bryant, maybe because I'm from Kansas City and obviously <laughs> yeah. like barbecue, but Arthur Smith from Atlanta, I think, man, sometimes, sometimes you go to teams and it's just, you shouldn't have gone there because it's set up for failure. That's like Todd Bowles with the Jets the first, or not the first time, as his first head coaching job. Yeah. Arthur Smith, I think he's a, a okay play caller. I mean, he made Ryan Tannehill get to the freaking AFC Championship, right, with the Titans. But, mm -hmm. man, the Falcons are terrible. And this is their second straight year. They're probably going to be the worst team. Whoever, I don't know. Oh, their their GM is a former player. I think he played for the Falcons in Terry Fontenot. 
the Kyle Pitts pick, I get Kyle Pitts was a freak of nature, but you don't draft tight ends in the top 10. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a stat on tight ends being drafted in the top 10 and how long it takes for them to pan out. TJ Hawkinson, I think, was the last one before Kyle Pitts. And I think really up until the end of last year or middle of last year was he kind of panning out. But, I mean, you go back and look at so many tight ends, right? They're the, – the top 10 picks usually don't pan out or, or, or provide the value of that level, right? So um, the Falcons are just a bad, low-talented football team. Um, I think this year, you know, with Drake London, that was a solid pick, right? But, again, they have no quarterback. Um, they got Desmond Ritter, right, the quarterback out of Cincinnati as a second or third-round pick. And he's been okay in – and let's say all the news that we've heard about him in preseason and then obviously being the backup to Mariota. But there's just a team that doesn't have very much talent. And like I said, I think Arthur Smith just went to a place with no upside. Because um, for some reason, they also can't sign anybody and have a ton of money. Um, I know they got rid of Matt Ryan. So, right. Um, but yeah, I think that's my second one. And I think it'll be more of a he's getting let go because that team hasn't improved. Um, despite the fact that they knew they were going to be bad again. And uh, the only thing that saves them is their owner, right? Arthur Blank. He's a, he's, I mean, I've always read great things about him as an owner, patient. So maybe he'll give them another two years, but man, that'll be a long time for a coach that, you know, hasn't won more than what, I think 10 games. Yeah. I, I don't see him giving him more than he, he might get another season. Like in a way, it sounds like Matt rule situation, right? Like, I think, like, I feel like it's like, you know, if they end up obviously, having a bad season like they seem like they're going that direction this year i feel like he's going to be in that matt rule situation more so next year than he is right now just because of that uh because of the owner is what i'm kind of getting at yeah like we were saying and all the all these bad teams they're bad for the most part obviously because our quarterback isn't very good we've got a really good quarterback draft class supposedly that's going to be coming out this year with bryce sean cj shroud will levis from kentucky um, Tanner McKee from Stanford. Maybe there's, you know, talks about, you know, my guy from Miami and Tyler Van Dyke, the guy from Wake Forest. There's all kinds of talk regarding quarterbacks. So um, maybe they give him a year and say, hey, what do you look like with, with a rookie quarterback? That's supposedly the future. But they also are going to have a lot of money this offseason. So maybe they actually get better. Um, so yeah, I think Panthers, no doubt, Matt Rule. I almost want to put the money down on that one just because I don't – I just genuinely don't like the dude. <laughs> um, and then Arthur Smith I think will be too. But you mentioned Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury. He's definitely on, on thin ice. But, you know, who's my my sleeper, which they won't let him go in the middle of the season. But Brandon Staley from Los Angeles Chargers, if he doesn't make the playoffs, I think he is gone. So that team is way too good. Yeah, I see that. So I was going to mention – so the, some of the other ones I was going to kind of mention was Ron, Ron Rivera with Washington. Um, and let's see who I saw. I also had Frank Wright with the Colts, and I had um, Josh McDaniels with the Raiders. And I know, obviously, like, for Josh McDaniels, this is his first year, but uh, you had a lot of expectations coming in the year. Everyone was talking about your team, and you're one and three right now. So, um, it, you know, it's just that. And going back to even Frank Wright, I mean, they missed the playoffs last year. They they were going to make the playoffs, and then down the stretch, they lost, like, the – yeah, they lost like the, I think they lost like two of the last three games, if not yeah. three in a row, um, and lost Jacksonville. And then this year, obviously, Jonathan Taylor gets hurt. Uh, their whole offense seems like a mess. I mean, it, 
I know it's we say that, but they beat us, right? So it's like, yeah, okay, they, they still beat the Chiefs, but um, they still aren't that great of a team. You know, Frank Wright hasn't gotten over the hump. I think that they kind of wanted to see him in the first, what, he's been there now. This is his third or fourth year. Um, oh, he's been there for, I think, five. Or even longer than that. So, see, yeah, it's just like I feel like he's up there. And then I kind of when I mentioned, like I said, Ron Rivera, I feel like it's just um, – I don't know. Washington's just kind of a mess as, as it is. I mean, they thought they Carson Wentz being the you know saw for their quarterback position and just ah, I don't know. They're they're kind of a mess in that uh, NFC East that, like I said, are kind of pretenders right now. But it's just kind of uh, it, it's interesting about about those three. But those those are kind of what are the three that I kind of would mention. But uh, what are your thoughts on those? Yeah, I think Ron Rivera will get time because he was a hire that that franchise needed with all the stuff they had come out about you know, Dan Snyder and all the bad stuff they were doing. And Ron Rivera is the complete opposite of that, right? He's the most stand-up, well-respected guy. So I think they'll give him time. And if not, they'll keep him because of the image. But, yeah, the team does have to get better. They're very dependent of a quarterback, though. Um, so if you look at their team, they're kind of building the model the way that you should to win a Super Bowl, right? They're building everything around. They've got three good wide receivers. They technically have two to three good running backs. They're lying um, – isn't that good, but then their defense is okay with uh, Chase Young and stuff like that. Right. So if they get a good quarterback, the problem is they got to stop banking on some of these guys, including Carson Wentz, right? So maybe they'll hit on a quarterback this um, this draft and, and they'll turn it around. Now, um, Frank Wright, um, that's that's also someone I think he'll, he'll make it to the end of the year unless they're really, really bad. But that's also another team in former Chiefs. Um, staff member, um, Chris Ballard. He's got to also stop trading for old quarterbacks. Yeah, um, that's true. Rivers, Wentz, Ryan, and they got to draft one. So they also need one. Um, and then who was your other one? I can't remember. Oh, other one was Josh McDaniels for the Raiders. Yep. And it's funny, man. Like, I think, I think I can see Mark Davis being like, hey, this is a good, this was a good experiment for one year. You're out. Um, and then he goes back to New England as offensive coordinator because they they have two defensive coordinators calling the offense. So I can oh, and see I, and Josh I, McDaniels being done with after one year. Especially in New England, I feel like he's just going to be the guy that takes over for Belichick. When Belichick time is up, I think it's just going to be him. Like, I think right. he's almost Which makes no for the sense, job. Because, like, he's – I don't think he's a good head coach. Yeah. Yeah, he's he is one of those guys where it's like the coordinator, you know, like kind of like Romeo Cornell, right? He's a really good coordinator. He just sucks to be a head coach. Um, so I got I kind of get that. So, but yeah, I mean, I think most of those guys, I think most of the people you mentioned, right, are pretty spot on. Um, obviously, Rule Smith, are probably the leaders. Uh, I think Robert Saleh from the Jets. You know, if they don't show more wins than they did last year. Um, you know, he might not come back for year three because they've got some good young pieces, and that team isn't really getting any better. They just win against bad football teams. And then, uh, the Bears head coach, I forget. I always forget his name, too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Matt no. Eferblis. Yeah, I yeah. mean, this is his first year. We know that team is mm-hmm. in a terrible situation, right? Another yeah. former chief staff member is now their GM in Ryan Poles. So, man, I don't know why that guy take that job. Well, I know why you take the job, but that's a really tough situation because they have no money. Um, I think they finally get – um, they finally have picks, but their cap situation is so bad. And I think even next year, it, it starts like this year it was bad. That's why they couldn't get anybody in free agency. They just offloaded everybody, right? All bad contracts. 
But um, maybe next year they finally start to get some more money. But, I mean, at least they have yeah. Justin Fields. You know, when you have That's a quarterback true. like that, um, he's a defensive guy. I mean, and they took Minnesota to the wire, right? Uh, yeah, they did. Yeah. So, I think they're getting better. They're going to they're gonna be a team that plays good defense. And, you know, Justin Fields just needs more skilled players to help him out. All right. So, I know so we talked about, obviously, um, coaches that are on the chop block. If you had two coaches right now that you'd probably say it's like maybe a sleeper or surprise of being coach of the year so far, who would you think? Um, well, for me, it's the the team that I picked to be like last year's Bengals. Maybe not making the Super Bowl, but Kevin O'Connell, Minnesota Vikings head coach. Um, I think, you know, another young, you know, offensive guy uh, that knows how to get his players in the right spot. Justin Jefferson's been tearing it up. Um, so I think he would be my first one. And if Brian Dable can keep this up with that pretty bad Giants team, man, you've got to, you've got to give him something. I got to say that's probably, yeah, that's, that's probably always going to go with also maybe even the Philadelphia Eagles coach too, as well as up there. Um, yeah, as well. So, uh, between those three, I think those are probably some good, um, yeah, starting points as far as, you know, who might be, um, up there. I was, you know, I would have said in, until I would have said two weeks ago. Obviously, it only been three games, so I would have said Doug Peterson was in that. And now it's like, eh, he still could be. He still could, he could be, still, man. he could still be. But um, you know, he was up there with probably being a sleeper too as well. But um, and we'll see. Obviously, I said most teams, other than four teams, has only been five weeks. I mean, we could be talking a different story here when we're actually like the midway of the season. You know, week eight or week nine, um, even the week, even into week ten. Um, could be talking a different story, but at this point, I think we kind of we discussed as far as you know who's there as far as being let go first. Um, I think obviously it's Matt Rule number one, <laughs> um, above yeah. none to anybody else. So, um, hey man, and when Matt Rule gets a boot, I hope my guy Ken Dorsey, um, they give him a call, man, and bring him back to Carolina because, uh, oh yeah, Ken Dorsey, I told you before, right? Is when Cam Newton had his best year, Ken Dorsey was his quarterback's coach, same thing with Josh Allen, now he's the offensive coordinator. Yep. Well, yeah, just bring Ken Dorsey back. I mean, that's the thing, right? Just get these young, offensive-minded coaches and let them build. Let them get a quarterback in the first round next year, and Carolina's at least looking better. Yeah, give them a chance. Like I said, at least, like, you know, will they end up being a Josh McDaniels or not as a head coach? Never know, but at least give them some chance because some of these guys end up turning to be great. So you never really know unless you give them a chance for sure. All right, that actually will conclude our episode today of the red and yellow kingdom podcast uh, i said we will be uh, back here soon with our recap of the raiders chiefs monday night football game from tomorrow night so thanks again everyone for listening don't forget to follow our podcast and go chiefs <laughs>